I'm Adam Lips, and this is my story. I've been a Christian for more than 20 years, and during that entire time period, I'm not sure that I've ever had a dream that I 100% knew was a word from God until earlier this year. I was on my way home from a vacation in June. We stopped for the night at a hotel on the way back. Now, return trips from vacations are always tough for me personally. Leaving the respite of a relaxing getaway and facing the craziness of a hectic work week where I'm already dreading how big and daunting my task list is going to be when I get back, well, that's just not my favorite part of a trip, especially when my personality type can get a little overly focused on tasks and to-dos. And that night, after having a little bit of difficulty falling asleep, I had a dream. In my dream, I was going through my regular routine, getting things done, marking off tasks. And suddenly I was approached by some people whom I did not know and told that I needed to go somewhere with them. When we arrived at this unknown place, it turned out to be a group home for people with psychological and emotional problems. What are you talking about? I shouted at the people who had brought me there. I'm not crazy. But there was no resisting them. And instantly I found myself inside the facility, surrounded by people I knew. There were people from every single time period and and part of my life in this compound. Yes, even some of you Lakelanders. I'll refrain from naming names of the people that I saw there, but some of you probably know who you are. Now, at first, I was so frustrated and sure that I was in the wrong place that I mostly just closed myself off from everyone there, refusing to engage with anyone at all. But then, a very old friend that I had not seen in years and years approached me and began to tell me all about his struggles, the problems that he had been having over the past several years. I listened quietly and tried to comfort him, giving him emotional support as best as I could and even some advice when he asked for some. He seemed comforted and left. Not soon after, I was approached by another old friend and a very similar scene took place. Eventually, as the dream continued, I found myself seeking others out for this purpose, sitting down with them, catching up on how their life had been going, doing my best to support and comfort them and give them encouragement when I could. Now, at one point, what seemed like, after what seemed like hours or even days of doing all of this, I found myself looking around the facility at smiling, happier faces. And I have to admit, I felt pretty darn good about myself. Wow, I told one of the men who worked there. I had no idea at first that I was just supposed to help other people with their problems. What are you talking about? He asked, slightly raising an eyebrow. Well, that's why you brought me here, right? I asked. So I could counsel and console and help all these people who really need it. He smiled, a wise knowing smile. I don't know, he said but it sounds like you found the help you needed too. At that moment, I looked over 
and caught the eye of that very first friend that I had connected with in the facility. And he too smiled a kind, knowing smile and gave me a little nod. And that's when I woke up. I remember opening my eyes and to me, the point of this dream was so crystal clear and the voice of that man was so kind and discerning and affecting that I had to conclude I had just heard from God himself. Yes, part of the point of me being in that facility in my dream was to help other people, to talk to people, to be with them in their struggles and their pain for their sake. But it was equally true that me figuring that out That my tasks and my to-dos were not nearly as important as the people that God had put in my life to help, to talk to, to be with. That was my lesson, my moment of healing. Ultimately, I needed those people just as much as they needed me. And isn't that a great reminder of just how God's kingdom, God's kingdom really works. I'm Adam, and this is my story. Thank you, Adam. My grandpa, who's the coolest guy I ever knew, When we would spend summers with him, he built a patio off the back of his house just so my brother and I would have a place to play in the summer. He built us a sandbox back there that was eight feet long, four feet wide, and two feet deep. And we built worlds of sand in that. He taught me how to ride a bike and how to swim in the same summer. And Grandpa could compose poetry on the spot about whatever was going on. We were sitting out on the patio one time and a bird flew over to the bird feeder and, and, and does some of the things birds do when they get wet, if you've ever seen that. And Grandpa said, there was a little bird with a belly full of... Tur-. You know, Grandpa's poems weren't always appropriate. We'll just probably leave that part of the story there. Grandpa had been sick for over a year when on November 17th, 1989, my dad came into my room and woke me up to tell me that grandpa had passed away. And he kind of held me there in the dark. I was 16. And it was just kind of awkward because I didn't break out crying or anything. In fact, I didn't really feel anything in particular and I felt bad for that. This is the first person who was close to me who had ever passed away and I just didn't know what to do with that. And so I was just very blank. And after dad left the room, I, all I could do was fall back asleep. Joseph is engaged to Mary Engagement is a big deal in his culture. He has paid something called the bride price. He has received a dowry if she had one. Uh, The plan is that in one year they'll be married and she will move into his home. Engagement 
is so formal in his culture that to break it would require a formal divorce and a public trial. And that's just what Joseph thinks he's going to have to do. Because Mary is pregnant. And it's not his. He's never had anything like this happen before, of course. And yet, some part of him still loves her and doesn't want to see her put through that shame of a public trial to expose her unfaithfulness. And he's just trying to think of a way that maybe it could all just end quietly. And he's in this tight spot and he's never had to do this before and he doesn't know how. At the end of the day, all he can do is fall asleep. Some of you, God bless you, are in a tight spot right now. You're out of options, so to speak. You've never done this before. Whatever it is, you don't know what to feel. Do you have a dream? Do you have a hope? You can share that with us in, the, in, that, in that poll also. You text that number, the first message you send is that mdirector057, and then you're kind of there. And, and share with us, what are you dreaming for this year? It can be a serious thing too. It can be a, it can be a heavy thing. We've got space for that. November 17th, 1989, my dad wakes me up to tell me grandpa's passed. Don't know what to feel. All I can do is fall asleep. And as soon as I fall asleep, I have this dream. I've never had a dream this vivid before or since. But I was walking across the field, and the dirt was really cool and loose. I could feel it. I was barefoot, I was still in the clothes I was wearing in bed. And it was a gray day. And the, and the, and the spirit. Whatever crop was there was just sprouting. It was only like this tall, little green sprigs here and there. And there was a tree line at the far end of the field, and I didn't know where I was going. And when I got to the end, I just stopped. And then I thought about Grandpa, and I said, I wonder what heaven is like. And at that moment, a voice from everywhere said, come and I'll show you. And I started floating. And I was really scared. But I couldn't control it. And I went up toward that blanket of clouds and it opened up in a perfect circle as large as this room. And when I floated up through it, it closed underneath and I was between. There was a floor and a ceiling of clouds. And in between, there were these huge thunderheads and flashes of lightning going in between and big storm sounds. And it was a little scary. But a circle opened up above and when I went through, it closed under my feet and in this layer, there were still thunderclouds but they were just kind of big and gray and there was no lightning and there was the, dis- the thunder was distant like it was echoing away and I kept floating up through another layer and in this next one, it was uh, like a gray drizzle but it wasn't depressing, it was just really peaceful and quiet. And when the next one opened up, I looked up and the the sky was filled with these huge asteroids. And they were pointy on the bottom like 
giant stalactites. They were like as big as a city, each one. And one of them was really close, and it was coming down, and I was going up beside it. But when I got to the top, on top of it, there was a, a hills and a, and a forest that was in Indian summer. This was the reddest red and the yellowest yellow and the orangest orange I have ever seen. And when I saw it, I started going across the top of it, and I could see all those colors passing underneath. But it's an asteroid, right? So you can reach the edge of it. And when I got to the edge, we went up again, and here came another one. And on top of it, there was a pine forest, and I could smell the pine needles. And as I moved over it, you could, when you were directly above, you could see the, the forest floor bare underneath. And we reached the edge of it, and it went up, and another one came down, and there was a, a mountains with uh, pine trees all completely covered in snow. I could feel the cold of it. On this one, we went over the top so close that I, at one point, had to pick my feet up because a treetop came really close. And then when we got off the edge of that one, I looked up and there was the biggest one yet. And it took a long time to get level with the top. But on top of it was the sea. And it was glassy, perfectly flat sea. And the sun was rising on the far side. It made it like a blinding shimmer to me, and I started flying across the top so close to the surface of the water that I could have reached down and touched it, but I didn't because we were going so fast. I didn't know what the drag of touching it would do. So I just let it go so fast underneath, and when we got to the edge, a big wave came up. And as it started to curl over, I ducked because I didn't want to get wet, and when I leaned back, I started falling past the sea, past the snow, past the pine wood, past the autumn, through the drizzle and the storm and the big storm. And then when it started closing, I come down and I just landed on the field and I felt the dirt smush up again. And I said, well, if that's where grandpa is, I can't feel sad. The next week we went to Parsons, Kansas in Lebec County and went through all the things you go through at a funeral and the whole time I just couldn't feel any emotion except a peace I really feel like in the dream I had a dream of the feeling of heaven and it just put me at such peace Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and he did not want to disgrace Mary publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus For he will save his people from their sins. And from this dream, Joseph wakes up and he marries her even faster. And he can feel excited. Suddenly his marriage isn't second best or something wrong with it. In one dream, he feels like his marriage might be the best marriage there has ever been in human history. A marriage people will be talking about for millennia his situation suddenly better than the best 
We talk about the Christmas story a lot, but I don't know if I've ever slowed down and emphasized he had a dream. All of this happened because he fell asleep on a really stressful day and he had a dream. I don't talk about my dream that often either. In 10 years of preaching, this was only the the second time. Now, I'm not... I I don't want you to think that I'm special because I had a dream. I'm actually banking on the fact that you all have had some things happen too. Some things you remember well, some things you're only just now remembering because we're talking about this sort of thing. But I'm banking on the fact that some of you have had a dream or a voice or a coincidence that was too much to be coincidence, a feeling while you were walking or driving, a waking vision or a daydream, an interaction with a stranger that just had something extra to it. Your experience doesn't have to stand up in court. You don't have to prove it to anybody. It just has to be enough for you feel like you had an encounter in which God was showing you something. You may only be 30% sure that's really what was happening. It's fine. I'm only 30% sure my dream was really what's happening. Now, now that I'm older, when I was 16, I didn't doubt it for a second. When I was 16, I didn't doubt for a second that God had shown me something to give me peace. And Joseph, he doesn't doubt it for a second. He jumps right up and gets married to someone that yesterday he thought had been unfaithful to him. I think when you're younger, you accept the truth more easily. That God is with us. And God wants to speak to us. We are maybe special enough to God for that. If God is real, and God has any love in him at all, why wouldn't he show up every once in a while for you? Why not? Who told you you weren't special enough, you didn't matter enough? Why wouldn't he? You don't have to be special to other people, you just have to be special to him. So on the night the coolest guy in the world passes away, And on the night that the Savior is conceived and is going to be born, and at some point of significance in your life, there God is. Why not? It was a cold, wet, misty day when they buried my grandpa. And a a veteran stood off in the woods and played taps because he had served in World War II. And they did a gun salute. And despite all these beautiful, dramatic displays, I just couldn't feel sad. I just sat there with the peace. In fact, the drizzle reminded me of the third layer. And we went back to 1309 Crawford Street and I went upstairs and I looked out the window at the grassy lot beside the house. And I remembered all the times Grandpa had strung up the badminton net and all the innumerable lightning bugs we'd caught. And how he let us wear a path through his grass with a mini bike. 
and ride around on the lawnmower drinking PBR at age nine. We'll just move past that story. (laughs) And then I cried. Not for him, for me, because I was going to miss him. And I just felt the presence of God saying, you can be happy and sad. All right here. And I'm here in it with you. And Joseph, he gets married. He doesn't have to leave her. He can do the right thing, and this is the right thing. And he doesn't have to subject her to shame. He was so worried about that. In fact, God provides a cousin, we know from the Gospel of Luke, that Mary can go live with for a little while, while she uh, starts showing sooner than you might otherwise expect. And then uh, there was a big government census, so Mary and Joseph had to go out of town suddenly, and the baby was born when they were 70 miles away. And they lived there another two years. By the time they come back to Nazareth, no one hardly even remembers there is anything unusual. God tells Joseph, you can do the right thing and the kind thing. I'll rearrange all the choices so that you don't have to choose between these hard things you're having to choose between right now. God made all new options appear. So whatever tight spot you're in, listen, listen for the strange voice of God. And if you have a dream or a voice or a coincidence or a song that comes on at just the right time or a stranger speaks to you, my best advice this morning, just go with it. Go with it and see what happens. It might be stress. It might be an overactive imagination. Might be a lot of things. Might also be God. Come to rearrange the choices so that you're not limited to just the options you think you have right now. Come to show you there's room for all of it. It doesn't have to be awkward. God, come to bring you hope. Joseph and Mary, I think I skipped a scripture here. I've got to share it with you. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 1, verse 22. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. They've been waiting hundreds of years for God to be with them. We, the church, have been waiting for thousands of years for Christ's return, but we know he's coming to be with us. So if he's with us here and there along the way in a strange way, why not? He's always coming to bring hope. Watch, wait, listen. Go in peace.